0: Friends, would you open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 8? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And when you have it, would you shout out the Bible or the page number that it's on? 967. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Lore of Room is in the lead this week in finding it. And once you have it, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we are going to be starting at verse 1, reading to 9, verse 5. So if you need to remain seated, because that's a long section, feel free to be seated. But know that this is the Word of God. Hear God's Word. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. not as we expected, but they gave them fir- themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich and in this matter i give my judgment this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work but also a desire to do it so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have for if the readiness is there it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what he does not have for i do not mean that others should be eased and you be burdened but that as a matter of fairness your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness, as it is written. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, who put it in the heart of Titus, that the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but... But being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about the, this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's side, but also in the side of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in these matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brother, brothers, they are messengers of the churches. The glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians came with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange and advance the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not an exaction. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Before we start this section, could we pray? Let's pray together. Father, with our Bibles open before us, we come and ask for your help. That the Spirit of God would just illumine the pages that are before us. That our minds will be alert and open to its truth. That our lives will be quick to welcome it and be quick to obey it. And to do it in such a way that honors and glorifies You, the living God. For in Christ's name we pray this, Amen. So I don't know if you picked this up at all in this section, or maybe even my my tentativeness, but Paul, who wrote this passage, knows that he is handling a very sensitive topic. He's talking about a very sensitive topic when he talks about the topic of giving and generosity. It's one of these topics that pastors honestly really want to avoid. It is uncomfortable talking about money because they feel like it's, it's this topic that people are just going to shut off and just say, you know what? Leave me alone. That's my money. Back off, pastor. And it's one of those very, sensitive topics the reality is a year before in this church in Corinth the church had already begun putting money aside to help the church in Jerusalem a famine had happened in Jerusalem and so the churches all around the area the Gentile churches were gathering up an offering to provide relief for the saints in Jerusalem and it seems that the church in Jerusalem had fallen a little slack in finishing their project. They started something. They started a campaign for relieving the saints in Jerusalem. But they fell short. That's why Paul wrote in verses 10-11, through and in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you. It started a year ago. It started a year ago. So I, I'm telling you, finish doing it well. Finish it. Finish this job. Talking about money is always a delicate issue. Always. It's, it is said back then that it's a difficult issue, and even today it's difficult. Wells Fargo... Found in a a survey that nearly half of Americans say the most challenging topic to discuss with others openly, honestly, like an open book, is their personal finances. 44% say that is the most sensitive issue. Whereas death, politics, religion, taxes, and personal health rank less. It is far more difficult to talk about finances than your impending death. It is far more difficult to talk about finances than politics. So it's a difficult topic. And yet Paul goes there. Why? Because their giving is actually a barometer of their spiritual condition. Hear that. It's not just for the church in Corinth. It's actually true for us. Their giving, our giving, is actually a spiritual barometer of our spiritual health. Do you believe that? Does your life reflect that? Does your pocketbook reflect that? Remember that the, the Corinthians had, fallen, had a falling out with Paul. Their falling out with Paul was probably uh, the reason that the collection in the church had got put, not, put on the back burner. So Paul wrote 2 Corinthians to get the church back on track. And the challenge to give is part of the putting them back on track. It's all connected. In fact, Paul says some shocking things a few times in this passage. In verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Verse 24, so give proof. Give proof to the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these. It's proof. Or 9 verse 3, I'm also sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Their renewed giving is both evidence that they're back on track and it is also the means by which they will grow. There is a a correlation, my friends, to our pocketbooks and our hearts. It's interesting, I think, when Paul says that he wants to prove the earnestness of their love in verse 8, he uses the same word that's usually used to speak of a legitimate child. One of your own. So Paul's saying that he wants to prove the legitimacy, the realness, the biological connection, the DNA of the the Corinthians' love. You can claim that your love is legitimate, but the way to prove that legitimacy of your love is by your generosity. Generosity. How's that sit with you right now? I had a pastor friend, and I've even noticed it in our, our own church, who's, who noticed that the first sign that somebody was getting on board with the church, one of the first indicators is by their giving. And the opposite is true as well. The first sign that they are checking out of the church is that they are checking out of their giving if you want to know where you stand for your your love for god and your love for others the real test is how much that you give we can talk about that here as as a community right you can test and this is what this is what i believe the only place in the bible where god says test me on this test me it's, it's in this area of giving. But we can also see it not only in our, our church family, we can also see it in our things that we love, the people that we love. If I want to see what you truly love, if you want to see what I truly love, some of the places that you actually look at is my my pocketbook, where I spend on, on the credit card. You can also see in my day timer how i spend my time so it gets this gets this is an important topic but it's very personal isn't it i can just see by some of you going leave me alone room leave me alone there's a story that i read online of a preacher who paid a visit to a farmer. And he asked the farmer, if you had uh, $200, would you give 100 to the Lord? Sure, said the farmer. If you had two cows, would you give one cow to the Lord? And the farmer said, yeah, I would. If you had two pigs... Would you give one to the Lord? The farmer said, that's not fair. You know I have two pigs. It's personal. It's easy to talk about these other things, the, uh, the, the $200 or the, the two cows. Yeah, Oh yeah, I would do that. But when it starts getting personal with my two pigs, you want me to give one of them away? starting to get personal and paul knows this is how his his readers will feel so how 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 do we get there how do we move from just being cash strapped and stressed to proving our genuineness of faith by how we give how do we move there? Because every single one of us need to move from being cash strapped, being stressed about our finances, to proving the genuineness of our faith by how we give. And Paul gives us two lessons, two ways of how we can do this. And here's the first one. The first one is we need to choose our models carefully rumor has it and john mescus or leah can maybe confirm this if you ever run a race one of the most important decisions you will make is what pacer you pick if you're in a pack there's going to be some who are just going to run out of, of the gates and they are going to be busting it hard and if you try to keep up with them you are immediately going to die in exhaustion, you're going to cramp up, and you're just going to and be unhealthy. You're going to pull something, and it's going to be painful. So you got to find find your ideal pacer, and you can fall behind that pacer, and you can relax, knowing that you're on track to reach your goal. Am I somewhere close? So you got to find. Yeah, I have. I've run the race vicariously through the internet and john i've gone too far so so when it comes to your money what is your pacer who is your pacer for most of us the natural thing to do is to look around us right it'd be really nice that if we would the deacons would print out everybody's uh giving reports and just say hey Let's just circulate them and just kind of look to see, oh, what the Phillips give? Okay, oh, what the Vandervelds give? Okay, what, what about the Boerhauers, um, the Jamrozics, uh Matt, what did you get? And we look at all of them and just go, okay, well, let's kind of average this out, maybe go 100 bucks lower, and that's a good pace for us. We kind of look around us and just say, well, what is kind of everyone else doing? we're continually continuously comparing how others live and allowing that to inform our spending and even our our giving decisions and paul in this passage he he gives a better model He gives a better model. Paul calls the Corinthians to imitate the Macedonian churches. Those are the churches in Philippi, the churches in Thessalonica, the churches in Berea. He says, imitate those churches. These, my friends, were not rich churches. In fact, Paul speaks of their extreme poverty. But despite their poverty... Look at how they gave. And if you if you got a, a pen or a pencil and look in the verses uh, 2, 3, and 4, and 5, you can see that they gave with the abundance of joy. They gave with a wealth of generosity. They gave according to their means and beyond their means. They, they were even, in verse 8, they were begging for the favor, the privilege to be able to give. They were begging for opportunities. How often, I have never, I have never in this church had people come up to me and just say, Paul, can I, please, can I give a little bit more? Can, I, I'm looking for another opportunity to give. Can, do you have another? What about, come on, Paul, please, I'm looking for an opportunity. That's the church in Macedonia. They were begging for an opportunity to give. And in verse five, it says, they didn't just give money, they gave of themselves first. So often in our church circles, we say, give of your time, talents, and treasures. And I'll hear people say, Well, I don't have much to give, but I got lots of time. I got lots of talent. I'll give of those. These people, they gave of their their Themselves first. But they didn't make an excuse about their resources. These Macedonians were poor. But they were excellent givers. The Corinthians who were rich. Had a problem. The wealthy. Paul wants the Corinthians to get a new pace setter he wants them to learn giving from a better example and if you think if you think that's a powerful example paul ups the ante even more he says, look at how the, the, the Macedonians are doing. Look at them in their poverty. They did this. They looked for opportunities. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. Look at that. But then he ups the ante. He says, but that's not enough. That's not a good enough pace setter. Look at verse, verse 9, right? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich Corinthians though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor why so that you by his poverty might become rich do you know who gave better than the church in Macedonia Jesus Jesus gave better than the church in Macedonia. Jesus is the better giver. Right, Eric? He is the better giver. He, he exceeds. We go, oh man, look at Macedonia. And, and Paul goes, yeah, look at Macedonia. But look at Jesus. Look at how He does it. Jesus, the Macedonians gave their money. And they did it well. But it was only money and only their lives. Jesus gave His whole life. Paul says that what Jesus gave matters in our giving. Because He was so generous with us, it's only right that we respond in generosity. The old hymn got it right. Love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my oh all love so amazing so divine what does it do it demands it demands everything we can learn from jesus's generous spirit he denied himself for the sake of the saints and my friends we can too so what is your model for giving what is your model i i want to encourage you to look around to see who's more generous than you don't look for take the average and go down a hundred bucks Look around you and say, Who are the people that I know who are generous with their lives? And, and don't learn just your money habits from the world, my friend. The world is calling you to hoard, to scrap it all together, to secure it away, and don't let it out. Don't let it out of your sight. Don't learn your habits from the world. Instead, Learn your money habits from those who are most generous, who are most sacrificial with your money. Paul says in verse 7, see that you excel. Excel in this act of grace also. It's, It's all of our calls to excel. We should be known as the church of Jesus Christ. We should be known for excelling in this act of grace. There should be a point where the, the session, the elders are sitting down going, I don't know what to do with all of this. What are... we?" I guess we have to hire another staff person. I guess we got we, we to expand this building. I guess we got to look for more places to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. I guess it's time that we hire our, or uh, start paying for our seventh mi- um, missionary. I guess it's time to start sending more boxes of Bibles to missionaries who need them. I, I don't know what else to do with this money. Would you stop giving? You will never hear the elders say that. But wouldn't that not be a wonderful issue for your leadership to be struggling with? What do we do with all of this? Scott Lewis um, attended a conference where Bill Bright, who is the uh, evangelist and founder of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, uh. Scott Lewis was attending one of those conferences where Bill Bright challenged uh, the people there to give $1 million to help fulfill the Great Commission. He challenged them. And uh, for Scott Lewis, this was a laughable amount. He thought this was absolutely ridiculous. It was far beyond anything that he can imagine, since his machinery business was generating an income of under $50,000 a year. And so Bill Bright, he had a conversation with Bill Bright, and Bill said to him, how much did you give last year? And Scott felt pretty confident about his answer. We gave $17,000, about 35% of our income. Some of you are going, dude, that's impressive, 35%. Without blinking an eye, Bill Bright responded, over the next year, why don't you make a goal of giving $50,000? Scott was pretty sure that Bill Bright didn't understand. What was That was more than he had made all year. But Scott and his wife decided to trust God with Bill's challenge asking God to do the impossible. God provided in an amazing way. With a miraculous December 31 provision, the Lewises were able to give $50,000. A few years later, they passed the $1 million mark in giving. So who is your model? My friends, I want to encourage you to look to Christ, the most complete, most faithful, and most generous giver, Also look to a godly brother or sister in Christ who gives beyond their ability and begin to copy them. I want to also encourage you, those of you who love to read and love stories and love history, find this book called Gospel Patrons. It's by uh, John Reinhart. And it is a story, uh, historical stories of people who in the past were those who underwrote Gospel opportunities and it cost them nearly everything. There's stories about uh, the man who, who helped uh, John Wycliffe. Who, uh, there's stories about the resurgence of the Evangelical Church, 18th, the 18th century revival, and all these people who helped fuel gospel movements if you're looking for examples here is a book that will give you examples of how it has been done historically throughout the church but here's here's another thing that i want to encourage you so first there was this challenge to choose your model carefully but here's the second thing that i want you to do i want you to actually trust kingdom economics The coronavirus has thrown off all of our investments, hasn't it? And, and human wisdom, right Jake? How's ours doing? All right, we're on, yeah. uh, So, you know, we, we look at the stock market. We look at what's going on. There's fear. And what happens in there is that we look at all these external things and what do we do? We immediately have this desire to get tighter. And here's the thing. Paul is saying, I want to encourage you in your giving to actually trust kingdom economics. And you, we can see examples of this in chapter 8. And in reality, kingdom economics often make no sense to us. But it makes perfect sense when God gets involved in these economics. It's kingdom economics. For exi- example, verse 10. Giving actually benefits you. Here's the first thing when it comes to kingdom economics. Giving actually benefits you. And I'm not talking about at the end of the year when you get your receipt and you can take it to your, your uh, um, tax preparer and just say, hey, look what, what I gave. Can, can this benefit me and get some money back maybe? No. How in the world does, does giving away what I could use for myself Benefit me? Right? That's a question that we've got to ask. It makes no sense to us. And yet it's what the Bible teaches over and over and over again. You need to give more than what others need to receive. You need to give more than what others need to receive. Acts chapter 20 says this. It is more blessed to... (laughs) Oh, you know, you don't even like saying it out loud. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It actually is. Welcome to Kingdom Economics 101. It is actually more blessed, you are more blessed in your giving than in your receiving. When you give, nobody benefits more than giving, more in giving than you do. There is something freeing about saying, it's not mine here there, there's something that happens in your heart when you just say lord i'm i'm letting go with this why because you command me and it's not mine in the first place i'm just simply a steward here and the freedom happens there but secondly here's the other thing about king economics Even giving a small amount is important if the heart is there. Even giving, some of you in this room have not given. And I'm I'm talking to the youth even here. Some of you who have made money babysitting, it's just a little bit. Even a small amount matters if what the heart is there. It's tempting to think that our gifts really don't matter because we don't have a lot to give. I, I don't have a lot of money. It doesn't really matter. But Paul corrects it. He mentions two things that make a good gift in verse 12. The first thing is the readiness, the desire, the motivation to give. That's the first thing. Man, I, I want to give, but the second thing is giving proportionally. I give according to what I have, not in comparison to other people. I have a desire to give, and on top of that, not only have a desire to give, I'm giving according to what God has given me. here's the here's if if you give willingly and in proportion to what you have then your gift matters no matter how big or how small it is here's the third thing when it comes to kingdom economics 101 hoarding leads to scarcity And generosity leads to abundance. That makes no sense apart from God, right? Yeah. Hoarding leads to scarcity. And generosity leads to abundance. If you refuse to give, you're going to be just like the ancient Israelites that we read about in Exodus. Listen, God provided them with daily bread called manna. But we read at, at kind of this end of this section right there, right in verse 15, we read this uh, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Because those ancient Israelites were scared. I, I, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, so I'm going to get as much as I had. But it says here, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. If you want to live a life of scarcity, then my friends, keep Keep all your money to yourself. If you want to lead a life of scarcity, then keep it all to yourself. But if you want to lead a life of abundance, then become a generous person. And I'm not talking about sowing a seed of faith and You plant a dollar and God's going to multiply it by 50,000. This is not a health wealth kind of thing. But this is how God works in his kingdom economics. My friends, I have seen this over and over again. This is how God works. So just real quickly, just a reminder. In kingdom economics, giving benefits you. You. It's also a blessing to other people. It furthers God's mission, right? But giving actually benefits you. Secondly, giving a small amount is important if your heart is there. If you make $1,000 a year, give proportionally from that amount if you make a million dollars a year give proportionally from that amount it's a matter of your readiness your desire your longing to give because christ gave the richest one gave it all he became poor so that i may become rich i am going to give Why? Because he has. I'm just responding to where I am at this point in life. But I also need to remember fear is an enemy of my faith. And fear leads to hoarding, hoarding leads to scarcity. Faith in Christ leads to life. Faith leads to generosity. And generosity leads to abundance. My friends, we're, we're going to be returning back to this, this topic again next week. And the reason why we're returning back to this topic next week is not because I'm doing a two-week mini-series on giving or because of our budget. But because this is in the Word of God. It's the next section. And we're also addressing it because you do need to give. Not under compulsion, not because I'm putting the screws to you, because it is a biblical mandate. And it should be a natural response. You need to give more than the church needs to receive from you. Hear that? You need to give more. Not like financially, but you need to give more. You need to actually give because it's, it's important. It's, it's good for your soul. It's actually therapeutic. It's actually what you've been wired to do. You you need to give more than the church needs to receive. It's how God has created the world. And how do you prove your love that you actually love God and you love others? By being generous beyond your ability. And those who discovered the secret will find joy and freedom that you cannot get any other way. This is the, one of the secrets to the Christian life. That free in, in giving, it opens up a flood in your life of joy and satisfaction. So let me leave you with this today. We serve an amazingly generous God. Have you ever thought about how much generosity is at the heart of God? Have you ever thought about that? How much generosity is in the heart of God? And that is one of the exciting things for even coming up to the Lord's Supper is that we are celebrating the generosity, the heart of God here. God poured out His love in Jesus Christ so that in this amazing act of love and generosity, He, beca- he who was rich became poor for us so that my friends, you may become what rich he poured it out gosh i this is just amazing god isn't just generous he is lavish in his generosity lavish he just pours it out uh, what one commentator said self-giving love is the trinity's signature it's it's how god is known It's God's signature, love, lavish love. So we are never more like God when we are generous too. Generosity is the sign that we are beginning to understand how the gospel works. I am going to tell you right now, I have so much work to do. I have so much work to do. And so do you. So much worked. Thank God for His grace, His mercy, His Word, His people. Together, friends, together we can be known as, not for pride's sake, but we can be known for our generosity. And we're known for our generosity because we are understanding how the Gospel really works in our lives. We understand the grace of God. How he lavished love upon me. He, he has just poured it out. I cannot help but in my life, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my, in my day timer, in my checkbook, in my, with my talents, I cannot help but being generous with all of me. And I pray it is true of me. That I will be an example of generosity. And I pray that you too will be an example to others of your own generosity. And I pray that we will be a church that even turns the tide in saying, yeah, let's talk about finances. Let's look at it. All right, here's here's my checkbook. Wow, I blew it on Starbucks this week. Whoa, did a lot of that eating out this week. Haven't written a check at all to the church. Lord, work in me. Change my mind in what is important. Amen. Come back next week. Let's pray.